0: Monsters Walk With Us contains explicit language, adult themes, violence, and may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back. Welcome, friends. If you're new, I'm your host, Mary. I did this research from an episode of a TV show that I watched on IMDb TV, which was free, but there was quite a lot of ads. So just fair warning on that. I told Mike about some of the steps along the way when I was doing this research, and he was flabbergasted. Victoria Silliers is a mother of three who really loved skydiving. And when I say loved, I mean that she had 2,649 jumps under her belt. Well, damn. That's a lot. That's a lot. For jump 2,650, she is using a new parachute, one that she just got from her husband, Emil. James Rankin, another parachutist, was out with Victoria that day. And he was actually, like, nervous about the jump. Victoria encouraged him and basically was like, it's going to be fine. You're going to do it. Like, I've done this a bunch of times. Don't worry about it. We got you. He jumps first and then she jumps shortly after. He sees her jump and then he sees that there's some kind of malfunction with the main part of her chute. He sees her cut the main part away and the reserve parachute is not fully attached So she starts spinning through the air. Her legs are almost at the same height as her head, and she's completely lost control of what of the parachute is still attached. He sees her just fall straight past him, which I cannot imagine watching that happen on like your first jump.
1: The terror of you on a jump, but then seeing this person like kind of like plummet to earth and... I mean, from what I know about skydiving, like if you have that many hours, you don't go in tandem with someone. You're on your own.
0: All he can do is helplessly watch her fall while he's also falling through the sky on his own chute. Victoria hits the ground at 4.27 PM and she sustains life-threatening injuries as a result. She had fallen 4,000 feet to the ground.
1: That's crazy. Although I will say this, I do know that The record of someone surviving a fall, I believe, is 19,000 feet.
0: Wow. How the hell? How?
1: It was like a stewardess or some shit a long time ago. I don't know how it happened, but yeah, she somehow survived. Okay, so I was wrong. Oh, okay. It wasn't 19,000 feet. It was 33,000 feet. Oh, my God. This woman's name is Vesna Volovic, and she was the sole survivor of a briefcase bomb exploded in the baggage compartment on a flight over Czechoslovakia in 1972, and she somehow survived this fall.
0: Wow. My jaw
1: dropped. She was fucked up, but she survived.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did assume that unlike Bruce <laughs> Willis in Unbreakable... Uh <laughs> So James' first reaction is that she must be dead. Like, as he's still falling, he's thinking, like, oh my god, like, I'm going to get down there and it's going to be her remains. He gets down there and he finds her alive, but drifting in and out of
1: consciousness. So obviously he got down with a parachute. His parachute was fine. So she must have fell straight down. His parachute... I'm assuming landed him somewhat in proximity. It would be like more difficult, like with the parachute to kind of like aim where you're going to land.
0: That's my guess too. But I'm guessing it was like pretty close and he just cut it away and like ran over yeah. there as fast okay. as he could. So Victoria just remembers a big bang and then everything going black. When she wakes up, her arms and legs work. So she knows her spine isn't severed. She'd broken her ribs, her pelvis, had four fractures in her spine, and punctured a lung. The only thing that saved her was the fact that she fell onto ground that had recently been plowed. Because the dirt was all churned up, it was soft.
1: Yeah, because if you were to land on hard ground or even like water, like the surface tension of water would just fuck you up.
0: So it's not more than a couple hours after the fall before people start feeling like something here is a little off. The parachute club, the group that she's been jumping with for her 2,650 jumps, they decide we have to investigate what happened with this chute malfunction. They look at her chute and they see the way the lines are tangled up does not look accidental. This program shows footage of the club members all looking at the parachute and starting to investigate it. They're all saying this doesn't look right and just has to be intentional. Like this couldn't have happened naturally. So they call the Wiltshire police. And the cops probably would have thought this was just an accident if they didn't have this footage to take in and show the cops of them opening it up and looking at it and breaking down everything that was wrong. Five days after the fall, one of Victoria's friends calls DC Maddie Henna. DC is Detective Constable, which is like the lowest level detective on the force. This friend tells DC Henna that Victoria had shared that there were problems in her marriage. So this friend obviously thinks, Emil is responsible. And this kind of kicks things into motion. Emil Silliers was born in South Africa. He is a pretty physically active dude. He does lots of outdoor activities. He was a British Army soldier, having joined in 2004. Victoria was also in the Army working as a physiotherapist. They are into all kinds of stuff that just gets your blood pumping and they fall for each other. So they get married in 2011 in Cape Town, South Africa. A month after the fall, The British Parachute Association gives their official report to the Wiltshire Police. This report proves there was no mechanical way for this parachute to malfunction the way that it did. So either the people on the jump messed with her chute, the people on the plane with her, or someone else did that had access to it. The main chute didn't deploy properly because someone had wrapped all the cords and lines around it, like balled it up and wrapped around it there was literally no chance that this would have inflated properly. The reserve parachute worked, which is why it slowed down enough for her not to die instantly on impact. But they found that two of the links attaching it to the main chute were just gone. The protocol for jumping like this is you have someone else double check your bag before you use the chute. So every piece of that chute should have been double checked before she used it. On April 28th, D.C. Henna heads to Gibraltar Barracks in Hampshire to arrest Emile on suspicion of attempted murder. He has almost no reaction, but he tells her that he's very unhappy because she arrested him in front of, quote, my subordinates.
1: Boo-hoo-hoo. You're making me look bad. Are they still in South Africa? Or are they in England? Or They're in England at this okay. point. Okay. I wasn't sure. Like, the name sounded British as fuck.
0: Right? <laughs> So when they question him, Emile says, quote, It's not a marriage that I would want to be in anymore. I can't really see myself being in the marriage in 10 or like 15 years time.
1: Well, that doesn't bode well. And also, if you feel that way, why the fuck are you in it now?
0: What? What are you hanging out waiting for? This is so fucking weird that you would say this to the cops, too.
1: (sighs) That's how people fuck themselves, is if you do get arrested or something like that, do yourself a favor, shut the fuck up.
0: Even if you didn't do it, shut the fuck up. Exactly. (laughs) Ask for a lawyer, that's it.
1: Exactly, that's all you gotta do.
0: Don't trust fucking cops. He starts talking a whole lot, including bringing up how he has a very strong sex drive, whereas Victoria has a low sex drive. So they struggle to have sex more than twice a week.
1: He's got his wad of hundreds and Magnum condoms, and he's ready to plow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm done swimming in the wake. I'm done swimming in the wake. It's my time. (laughs) Just what a fucking scumbag this guy is.
1: He's like, I need to fuck dot com.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 Uh, Oh, my God. He brings up his cheating, hookups, other women. He even says, oh, I have a girlfriend.
1: Okay, so dude, if you weren't sus before this, you definitely solidified that now.
0: Can I give you all my red flags sewn together in the shape of a banner? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) What the fuck? He is just volunteering the most damning information to them. D.C. Hanna says that in this interview, he never claimed he was innocent or said that he didn't do it, but he just talked and talked. There's no physical evidence yet, though, just motive so far. He's let out on bail, but he does have to move out of their family home. And so she's laid up at home with two kids, a newborn and a three-year-old. She's also in a full body
1: brace. I was going to say she already been through it with the newborn, and now she's like shattered.
0: Literally. She obviously can't care for these children during this time. And she's upset because she wants a meal at home to help her. Why? I mean, I get why, but why? She (laughs) is just not able to understand why the Bobbies, LOL, are insisting that he has to move somewhere else. She gets really angry with them, actually, and gives them the what for and just says, like, you're trapping me in this terrible situation and I want my husband's support. I need help. But they obviously suspect him and they're not budging. Something that throws a wrench into the works is that she does not want an investigation done. She's all set on that. The plot thickens. They know without her, this is going fucking nowhere. Like, they are not going to be able to get a conviction without her. Honestly, truly burying her head in the sand.
1: Ostrich realness.
0: She's completely in denial that she could even possibly be in danger. One of the detectives said that they went to see her at the family home and saw her parents there because they had come to help wrangle the kids. They decide this is a good time to let her know that he was actually seriously dating his girlfriend, this other woman, and had even told the cops that he wanted to get a divorce so he could be with her. Emile even says, look at that newborn. I don't even think that kid is mine. What? What? What are you doing? Look yeah. at your life.
1: Look at your choices. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Like, I won't lie. And this shit, I was like, oh, it's like a cut and dry case. Like, husband trying to kill the wife. But there's obviously more going on here.
0: Right. If you can even imagine you are in a full body brace after plummeting to the ground, your husband has been cheating on you, and you have to hear this from the cops who are investigating your fall against your will. And
1: she's like, lol, we don't need to investigate. I just need his help. That's... Remember how we mentioned Red Flags earlier?
0: (laughs) It's just terrible for her to hear this. Like, it's earth shattering. And this is probably the moment that just the scales kind of fell from her eyes. And she started to realize that, hey, maybe if I had any suspicions, now they're confirmed. Or even worse, I had no idea what was going on. And now, like, there's proof. He talked about this with them. So they ask her before they leave, is there anything you can remember? That you can mention. And right as they're about to leave, she goes, oh, yeah, I should probably tell you about this gas leak that happened last week.
1: So what, what happened with that?
0: I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not just going to speed right past a gas
1: leak. She's like, lol, my life was threatened. Totally forgot to mention that.
0: This is a totally normal thing that happens, like, all the time. While Emile was away at the barracks where he was arrested, there was a gas leak in the house while she was at home with the children. This is March 30th, 2015. She wakes up and goes down to the kitchen only to smell gas. She texts Emile asking, did you move the gas lever? And he says, no, that's weird. Is the stove working? Victoria checks out the pipe and sees blood there, so there's clear signs that someone fucked around with it.
1: Yeah, that's. I thought she would going to turn the stove on and the entire house is going to explode.
0: <laughs> right? The house is new, so it's not like something just stopped working, either. Now the cops are investigating two attempted murders- The cops send the pipes out for forensic analysis. Even though this has grown way beyond what they initially even thought, it's just three cops working on this
1: case. The local constabulary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The journalist of this program asked Detective Henna why so little resources? Why not more people? And she says, quote, to be quite brutal because she didn't die.
1: I mean, that's harsh, but also... I'm not surprised by that reaction. It's the reality of the situation. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, they're still alive, so...
0: So not only are they investigating this, they have to keep on top of their regular work. And a lot of the other cops just brush them off. Like, well, you don't have much of a case, so Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty much like you can't prove anything, so it doesn't matter what you think. They decide to look more into Emile's romantic past and get in touch with his first serious girlfriend in South Africa, Nicolene. They dated when he was 16 and she was 13, which I'm going to go ahead and ick right now. Yeah. They dated for seven years. She says she thought she was older than she was and ready for this adult life. And she even thought she wanted to settle down with him right away when they started dating. He's very charismatic. He's very romantic, very intense. She says it was like you are the only person in the world that matters. So you can kind of let the good outweigh the bad. They have a child together, a daughter, Celine, even though Emile is cheating like hotcakes. He needs to find a job, so he decides to emigrate to the UK, and he finds another woman. Why all this cheating? Just be single, or be straightforward about your intent with your sexual partners. Like, Jesus Christ. Exactly.
1: Just be like, hey, listen, this is what I'm here for. I'm not here for a commitment. I don't get it. I think it's a power thing.
0: Power and control. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So this motherfucker calls up his mom and has her break up with Nicoline for him. His mom takes Nicoline out to lunch and tells her, quote, Sorry to have to tell you, but he's gotten married. You're gonna have to move on.
1: Trash. How the fuck do you have your mom break up with someone for you? You want to go ahead and have this sort of, like, sexual prowess and be like this guy that has, oh, I have a wife and I have a girlfriend and I have this and I have that. But I need mommy to break up with this girl for me. No. Unacceptable.
0: Ugh, there's so much to unpack. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Why would your mom be willing to do that? This is the mother of your child and you're not going to even give her a fucking phone call?
1: Exactly. You're like, Mom, I need to be- break up with Nicolene. Yeah, I would never have my mom break up with someone for me. Oh my God.
0: Just, uh.
1: And I'm super close with my mom and just still, no. Like, who are you?
0: Who's willing to do that?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's partially on his mother for being willing to do that.
0: It says and a I'm- lot. It says a lot about their dynamic.
1: Yeah, for real.
0: Nicolene says, quote, My heart literally fell through me. She's fucking stunned. She's been in this committed relationship with him this whole time while he's been living overseas and he's fucking married. And like the kids, what the fuck? He just ghosted his entire family. Celine had never been interviewed about this before this documentary. First of all. Fucking great eyebrows, great skin, great eye makeup. The face card was not declining.
1: The mug was right.
0: She says about Emil, quote, I always remember he loved me so much, or at least I thought so. He was so attentive, and I couldn't really understand why someone who I thought I was their world, I was their favorite person, and then he just disappeared. Probably the most selfish thing he's done is not being able to at least apologize for the hurt that he's caused and for leaving us all behind in his trail of dust. I do believe Emil and Nicoline had other kids as well, but their names were not mentioned. September 15th, Emil is brought in for questioning by the cops again at the station in Swindon. They tell him they need him to answer questions about all this new evidence that's come up since the last time they spoke to him. My guy... Comes in there wearing a pair of flippy floppies, dressed for the beach, in a blue t-shirt, and a pair of gray shorts. It's
1: like I'm ready for vacation.
0: The vibes are off. He is extremely cocky from the minute he walks in that door. They tell him, we need to talk about this parachute that you gave Victoria. And he says, well, I just did all the standard checks that a parachutist should do. Our girl, DC Henna, says, I need you to explain in detail because I have no idea what that means. I've never seen a parachute. He says, quote, I'm sure you can investigate and ask the right questions to the right people in regards to checking the parachute. You're the one that checked it. You're the right people, motherfucker. What are you talking about? He says, well, yeah, I would have just done the standard checks. And she says, okay, what are those? Like literally having to lead him by the hand. And he says, quote, check if there's a green in the window. Check the risers on the side. I have no idea what that means. So we're just going to keep it rolling.
1: I'm assuming, yeah, there's probably like a little thing.
0: Just parachute things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hashtag, just parachute. (laughs)
0: Yes. Police had also tracked down Stephanie Gollier, Emile's serious girlfriend. They'd met almost six months ago. And this is the woman that he's saying he wants to leave Victoria to be with. When they mention Stephanie, he puts his head down and gets pretty upset. He actually gets tears in his eyes, not because he feels bad about having this affair, because Stephanie dumped his ass. So sad.
1: He's feeling sad because he got. Died.
0: Yes. Shit it on him. <laughs> One of the cops points out, like, it's just this very like woe is me. And in the footage, he's got this gray prison blanket wrapped around him. And ugh, ugh. Our girl Maddie does clock immediately that weirdly, he has not had any emotion over Victoria's fall when she was in the hospital, literally on death's door. He's being forcibly separated from his kids. No emotion for that. But this breakup is really getting to him. He's going through it. They look two years back in his phone and his internet history, and they find out that Emil is very fond of using WhatsApp to chat with Stephanie. Remember he had said they met six months ago? It actually was two years Over that two years, on WhatsApp, they had sent 32,000 messages back and forth.
1: So this has kind of been brewing.
0: That's a lot of messages for two years. Lots of I love yous and talking about their relationship when they could be together. He says, quote, after April, I'll be free, basically. He sent this message in January. Victoria's shoot failed on April 5th. (laughs) Girl... Not looking good.
1: Does not.
0: Emil has also been texting with sex workers requesting to film them having unprotected sex, putting even more people at risk through your fucking very inappropriate sexual activity. Yes. They also find out that he is a regular at this local sex club. I have to say this journalist is scandalized, baby. She is shook, shaken, and stirred talking about this sex club oh my god she is so fucking judgmental sucking dick and cock (laughs) (laughs) it's giving frida black if we're being honest
1: bisexual bisexual
0: yes for emil like if you're there's no yes for emil i don't know why i wrote that note no yes for emil (laughs) Oh, wait. I see. Now I read the rest of the note. Hold up. Hold up. I want it back. They had me in the first half, even though I wrote this myself. I said, <laughs> I skipped a line. <sighs> stop being so fucking judgmental. God damn. Like you're a journalist. Have some professionalism. Calm down. Yes, for a meal, let's stay judgmental. But enough with the sex shaming vibes already. Just stop. She actually goes to one of them. It had been shut down in May 2017. This place locally was a big hit, so they would draw a lot of crowds. When I said it was a local sex club, it is literally a small house.
1: I was like going to say someone just like on Craigslist, like come over.
0: Just a suburban-ass house, like, completely normal, among a row of other houses, all connected. So she rings the bell, and the owner of the home, Ricky Harwood, his lower third description just says that he's retired. LOL. (laughs) He describes the club as a place for like-minded people to meet other like-minded people, which is very (laughs) Craigslist-seeking arrangements. (laughs) She has him tour her through- This legitimately just a regular house now. So uncomfy for me to watch her say to him, quote, show me where he would hang out then. Then this man says, well, he was seen at the glory hole quite a few times. Well. When I tell you that I was so taken off guard by this nonchalant delivery, I almost threw the remote off the couch. Like, I'm not sex-shaming, but it came out of fucking nowhere from this, like, very precious older man's mouth, and it was a lot. He leads her upstairs to a door labeled Donkey Dick's Glory Hole Wall. Well. <laughs> it says what it does on the tin.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay.
0: There is indeed on this door a variety of sized assortment of glory holes. Well, something for everybody.
1: We got gauges.
0: girl. <laughs> he Ooh. proceeds then to describe glory hole etiquette to her. Jesus. Fuck me. Watching this. Like it. Oh, my God!
1: I saw this onion article not that long ago was that was like guy on one side of Florida whole ass other guy if you're vaccinated. I cannot <laughs> oh my God, oh my God!
0: Oh, oh, I have to come back down from Jupiter after that. <laughs> So this kind of prudish journalist says, quote, So they would stick their willy in the hole. And he repeats, yes, they would stick their willy in the hole. The appeal is that they didn't know who was on the other side. And then he says, quote, It's just a bit of fun. And I became fully deceased. She asks about Emile's personality. And Ricky says he was very quiet. Quote, He had deep eyes and he used to scare people because he used to just stare at people, which is very uncomfy vibes in a sex club. Like live and let live. Don't make it weird, dude. You're making it hot. She asks Ricky if he ever hurt anyone there. And Ricky says, quote, he pushed a girl and made her cry. She was a married lady in her 40s. Her husband had to go and tell him, you have to ask her. It's not a free for all. Ricky also says it's all about consent, which, yes, Ricky, yes. Emile ends up getting kicked out of this sex club, which is such an unbelievably bad look. Yeah. Unfortunately, there still is not much forensic evidence. So the cops go back to the house. They find the pipe under the sink that had been tampered with in the gas leak. There are tool marks from where he loosened the top nut with a pair of mole grips. They can identify this tool definitively based on the wear on the tool and matching up the marks on the tool. This is very similar to what they do with matching bullets to gun barrels because every striation, every thing will be 100% unique to that tool. They pull Emil in again and question him about the mole pliers, which are also known as locking pliers. I had to look it up. He says he can't remember when or what for He last used them. I just don't remember. He gets a huge and very shitty attitude. So they go through every piece of evidence with him. They have the messages with Stephanie. They have the timeline they've built. They have everything. And now the prosecutors have enough to charge him with two counts of attempted murder. There's not a whole lot of concrete evidence. Nobody witnessed anything. So it's going to be an uphill battle. It's been about two years since the fall. At this point, DC Henna says that over this time that she spent working on the case, she had two major health issues that her doctor said were probably exacerbated by stress. But justice needed to be done. She also knows this trial will be very tricky because in the UK, as the defendant, Emil is not required to prove that someone else did it. He just has to say, shaggy, it wasn't me. And basically, you can't prove that it was. It wasn't me. (laughs) Emil pleads not guilty, and the trial lasts seven weeks. Every day, he shows up dressed to the nines, chewing gum, overconfident, cocky, acting more like an attorney than a defendant. One week into the trial, it's revealed that Emil is deeply in debt. He is just robbing Peter to pay Paul. He's buying a ton of shit and trying to get money from Victoria because he's lying, saying that his dad needs health care. He buys a fish tank with some of this money. The other thing they talk about is the fact that both he and Victoria have £120,000 in life insurance. The prosecution painstakingly walks the jury through the technical aspects of parachuting teaching them about every piece of equipment, what it looks like, and exactly what Emile had done to Victoria's chute. The jury are brought to the field where the jump occurred along with all the lawyers. The prosecution has to get proof that he had tampered with Victoria's chute on the day of the jump. Emile was checking it at the jump site when one of their children came up and needed to go to the bathroom. He has the chute like thrown over his shoulders sort of like how you would wear it to jump and says, okay, I'll take I'll take care of this. They film a parachute expert going into that bathroom and have another camera from the above view showing exactly what he would do to tamper with the chute the way that hers was. And it's pretty quick, also. They really want the jury to understand it would be easy for an experienced parachutist like Emil to do this pretty quickly to disassemble these pieces and repack it into the backpack. Victoria said that he'd been in the bathroom for about 10 minutes, which was more than enough time to sabotage the shoot. 23 days into the trial, the prosecutors call Victoria to the stand to close out their case. They feel like this case is really strong and they've done the best that they could. Victoria gets picked up by one of the detectives to testify, and they make some small talk on the way in. And they're thinking this is going to be pretty straightforward. But on the stand, Victoria says that she lied about the amount of time that Emile was in the bathroom because she was angry with him when she told the police that. She also said she'd been lying about why she cut away the main parachute as she was falling. She testifies, quote, I'm embarrassed to say I cut away a good parachute. She also says that in all of her statements to the police, she lied. And it wasn't Emile who messed with the gas line. It was actually her. DC Henna is crestfallen, like so upset sitting there watching this go down. She cannot believe that Victoria is going to defend Emile and twist things around after he tried to kill her twice and could have killed their children. The jury deliberates for four days before coming back as a hung jury. They are unable to reach a verdict. On November 23rd, 2017, Emil walks out of the courtroom a free man. Cops aren't ready to let him go. He wasn't found not guilty. It's just that the jury couldn't agree. The cops feel that Victoria just wanted Emil at home with her. She still loved him and she wanted to protect him. And this type of control and coercion is part of abusive relationships. It's similar to brainwashing. Victoria declined to participate in this documentary. Nicoline says that when she was with him, she was under an immense spell is the only way that she could explain it. And she says that she thinks Victoria is probably still under that spell. Everyone is worried that Emil will try to kill Victoria again. So they're pushing to get back into the courtroom ASAP Rocky. They do so, and a second trial is set. In the second trial, the cops lay everything out from Emil's background and how he's controlled Victoria right up to trying to kill her. The prosecution presents... Pretty much every text message that they have from Emil to sex workers and to Stephanie, all at the same time that he's texting Victoria about stuff like, when are we going to have dinner tonight? What are we going to eat with the family? Even when he was visiting Victoria in the hospital... He is searching up sex workers in the area on his way to see her. They also show internet searches he made in the days leading up to the fall. He's searching for a wet nurse. This is someone who will come into the home and breastfeed babies because Victoria had literally just had their child. The baby was less than six weeks old. And he has sold himself off as this perfect soldier and a moral and principled guy. But all this evidence just blasts that right to shit. After six weeks, the prosecution rests. Nobody knows what's going to happen because it went so wrong last time. The jury deliberates for three days, and the jury foreman stands and announces that Emil has been found guilty of two counts of attempted murder and one count of reckless endangerment of children. DC Henna says she put her head down and just sobbed, and a lot of the cops became really emotional because they put so much into this whole journey, this investigation, figuring out everything, working with Victoria, working against Victoria at points. Like, it's just been such a battle. No emotion on Emil's face, though. He's stone-faced, and he is sentenced to life. He knew it was coming. He had to know it was coming, yeah. Yeah. Victoria gives a few interviews right after the verdict, but has largely removed herself from the public eye since about May 2018. The detectives on the case have no contact with her whatsoever. Emile's minimum time in prison will be 18 years. Wow. Yep.
1: I'm just, like, kind of confused that Victoria was such an advocate for him. I almost thought that she was like in on this shit.
0: It's definitely super weird how much she went back and forth on how she felt about the situation. And I feel like when she got presented with the cold, hard evidence and the text messages and everything else, I feel like she at first was kind of going in the right direction of Mm -hmm. suspecting him and knowing that he put her and the children in danger. But yeah, I think at some point she just kind of felt back into, he talked to her, he convinced her, he said that's all over. He did something that, you know, yeah. pushed her back onto his side and just pretty much took over. Yeah. This was really, this research took me a lot of places, including that oh. sex club with that precious old man. And it just oh, was a time. Yeah. A lot of all over the place stuff. And I really hope for Victoria that she's been able to get support and help and mm-hmm. figure out life and be in a good place and be healthy but there are no other updates on her past may 2018 thank you so much for coming back and recording this episode with me it's really unsatisfying this one
1: yeah it feels like okay Emil got prosecuted but victoria still doesn't she doesn't see herself as a victim and it's Yeah, I get that.
0: I can see wanting to be safe and be comfortable with what you know, and Mm -hmm. parachute falling is a very violent and awful way, also, I feel Mm -hmm. like. Ugh. Well... That'll wrap it up for this week. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us on Patreon if you're interested in some extra content. It's been slow going over there, admittedly, but got some plans to get stuff up there in the next couple of weeks. You can find us on Instagram at MonstersWalkWithUs, all one word. And if you are interested in helping to keep the pod running, you can buy me a Red Bull. There's a link there in the bio. Thank you so much for tuning in and sharing with friends and really helping to keep this growing it's amazing to me and i'm just so proud of it and excited to keep it going even though it is a lot of hard work and let's end on a high note fern what do you got
1: well one thing that's really exciting is i just booked a vacation
0: hey where are you going
1: (laughs) i'm going back to iceland
0: (gasps) amazing oh my god i'm so jealous
1: So Stewart Airport has a new airline coming in that has direct flights to Iceland. So yeah, I'm excited.
0: Amazing. That's awesome. Let's see. I guess for me this week, it's been having energy to work on the podcast again and get notes done and hopefully get back to editing, which has really been uh, bit of a challenge to be able to do. Yeah, I'm excited to keep it going. I've got a lot of recording plans. Um, I guess my high point, I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to go. I've never actually done this before, but I'm recording again later today, which I have another second huge high point that thank you everybody for tuning in and helping me grow this little pod baby is really been awesome. And I still can't believe we broke 15,000 streams. We're going to keep growing and I hope you're having a great day and I'll see you next time. Thanks for spending some time with me.